Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist, the magical mystery tour called life, Matthew DiBiase. Tonight's guest is author Graham McLaughlin. Graham hails from Calgary, Alberta, and Canada, and has worked as a businessman engaged in international trade. He is also a relative of the late J.P. Bickle, who was a corporate magnate who helped what are now called the Toronto Maple Leafs remain in Toronto and also helped finance the construction of the famed Maple Leaf Gardens, one of NHL hockey's most hallowed venues. In 2017, Graham, along with Kevin Shea and Jason Wilson, wrote a biography of J.P. Bickle titled J.P. Bickle, The Life, The Leafs, and The Legacy. Graham? Who conceived the idea of writing a, a biography of J.P. Bickle? Well, thank you, Matthew. Thank you for the introduction. Um, it really originated with me in that we knew we were related to Mr. Bickle, but we really didn't know that much. And it was back in a time before the Internet and all of this information being at our fingertips. And um, we had an article that was written by one of my relatives, or retyped, actually, from um, something that appeared in the Star Weekly, the Toronto Star Weekly, entitled J.T. Bickle, Double or Nothing. And it was dated December 29th, 1951, and he had passed away in August of 51. And I read it as an adult probably 10 years ago, and then I really got quite interested in the story and, and just started doing the research myself. Now, how is J.P. Bickle related to you, Graham? He's my first cousin twice removed, so two generations back. Um, his name is John Paris Bickle, and... My dad's name was James Paris McLaughlin, so the Paris name is quite a famous family name. It was both uh, J.P.'s mother's last night name and uh, my great-grandmother's last name. So how did Kevin Shea and Jason Wilson become involved with this book project? Did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them? No, I actually reached out to Kevin Shea, uh, him being, in, in my opinion, the author of Note Relative to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, Hockey in general in Canada, Kevin's written over 16, maybe 18 books now, and, and he was the go-to guy to, to write this story. Um, and uh, he involves his good friend Jason Wilson, uh, who is, who's got a, a degree in Canadian history, if I'm, if I'm saying that right, and uh, is also teaches at uh, the University of Toronto. Wow. Now, was J.P. Bickle, in addition to being a, a great businessman, was J.P. Uh, an athlete himself? Um, athlete in the in the sense of uh, he was a real sportsman. I'd rather say sportsman than an athlete. Okay. Uh, he he raced boats, so he actually set the record for a mile a minute in a speedboat. Um, the first one to do that. Um, so he raced boats. He sponsored all kinds of sporting events, including the boxing lightweight belt in Canada. Um, and he got involved in hockey, obviously, from the financial side. But whether he played hockey or not, I I don't know. Um, but he was more on the management and and philanthropic side of the game but he was a real sportsman from a hunting perspective um and and racing boats and and flying planes and and that sort of thing now where was he born and raised uh, graham he was actually born his dad was a presbyterian minister um in ontario and he was actually born in the manse which is the house they lived in um in the manse in molesworth ontario which is near listowell um and and he was raised there um, for a period of time until his father passed away. Um, and then they actually moved to Calgary, of all places, um, which is an interesting anecdote to the story, for a few years, and then back to Toronto. And that's really where this, his story 
got its legs was in uh, Toronto, Ontario. Why did the Bickles move to Calgary? Was it a business opportunity, some type of a boom, perhaps? You could say that. His mother was a teacher. Um, his mother, Annie, uh, Annie Paris Bickle, she was a teacher, and they had Bickle relatives out here that were teachers. Uh, the newspaper of the day said that they moved out here for the children's health mm. uh, in 1886 until 1889, when the oldest son passed away uh, from an appendicitis. So JP's brother, Clark, James Clark Bickle, passed away uh, from an appendicitis at uh, about 15 years of age, uh, and he was one year older than JP. So it had a big impact on the family, and once that happened, they packed up and moved back to to. Toronto. Were the bit were the, were JP's parents were they well to do people? Uh, what was their economic status? Not at all. Um, they he was a Presbyterian minister, so I guess the profile position of the day. But having passed away in eighteen eighty five, the father, uh, the mother moved out here with the children, and she was a teacher. So mm. I think they had humble means, and JP he had to start working early to uh, help pay, make ends meet for the family. Now, in your description of him, he was a corporate magnate. How how did Jay, Mr. Bickle, you know, acquire his fame? You know, what what was his expertise? You know, where did where did he acquire his riches? On many different levels throughout the course of his life, um, I, I have to say. Um, initially, in the stockbroker, being a stockbroker, he had his own business. He learned in Chicago, came back to Toronto, and with those connections, he opened J.P. Bickle. And company and became a stockbroker and there's some very interesting stories there where he along with others partners uh, actually cornered the corn market at one point um, and yes and traded in all kinds of other uh, stocks of the day but that, that was where his initial wealth came and he was uh, a millionaire by the time he was 27. How and when did he become involved with what eventually became the Toronto Maple Leafs NHL franchise? It was actually December tenth, um, nineteen twenty. Or pardon me, December tenth, nineteen twenty-four. I believe um, he helped his friend um, buy out some other shareholders that were wanting to get out of the business. So he actually bought in as the majority partner uh, at that time. I'm, I'm not exact date actually. Okay. Now, so now, who was owning the the what eventually became the Maple Leafs at that time? Was it Charles Query by any chance? was his friend and he was sort of the coach and the manager at the time okay. and Charles was actually in the movie theater business and JP Bickle was heavily involved in the movie theater business at the time and actually was the, the one of the founders of famous players theaters so that was his relationship with uh, Charlie Query and Charlie Query was quite a sportsman as well being a, a world-renowned lacrosse player so that's where their friendship uh, became and uh, he had the means and Charlie uh, approached him when two of the brothers wanted out now, what was J.P. Bickle's role in keeping uh, the Maple Leafs in Toronto? Well, at one point, um, it became a, the potential sale of the team when Charlie and others could no longer afford to stay in in the game. And not unlike today's, the, the value of franchises keeps going up, 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 and up. And J.P. Bickle at the time, um, he put in his money to become the majority partner and that solidified the team at the time called the St. Pat's in Toronto. And then he had hired uh, one general manager who didn't work out, coaching general manager didn't work out, and then he hired Con Smythe, he was the second choice. And with Con Smythe, they, they hatched a plan to 
keep the team in in uh, Toronto, and but it was going to take a, a larger stake from an investment perspective. And it, it's quite uh, widely reported that Con Smythe did this and saved the team, and he was definitely the managing partner. He he was the guy who helped coordinate. But the people that were all investors in the team were J.P. Bickle's friends. That was his sphere of influence. That was his network. And he tapped them all on the shoulder to say, hey, let's keep this team in town with Con Smythe being, uh, being the managing partner. How long were what, – what was the nature of his relationship with the late Con Smythe? Was it, was it harmonious? I mean, did it start off as being harmonious? Did it end, and it end up acrimoniously? What was the nature of the relationship between J.P. Pickle and the late Con Smythe? A very good question. When Con Smythe sat down with J.P. Bickle to, to take this job, the only words J.P. Bickle said to him was, do a good job. That wow. was it. That was his instructions, do a good job. And, and after J.P. Bickle had passed away, uh, Con Smythe was quite solemn and, and upset, and, and he, he said in an interview that J.P. Bickle was the best friend he ever had. And there's some stories in there that sort of prove that theory when other board of directors wanted to get rid of Con Smythe and J.P. Bickle stood by his side. So that that tells you the, the nature of the comment to say J.P. Bickle was the best friend I ever had by Con Smythe. Wow, wow. Because Con Smythe was not exactly a lovable figure, and for him to say that, that was extraordinary indeed. Uh, I mean, re, I, I read his memoirs. I mean, very tough-minded man, Con Smythe, in many ways. How did how did J.P. Bickle become involved with the construction of Maple Leaf Gardens? Well, they realized to, to be successful and have the sort of ticket sales that they need, and and not there were needed to be there was some pressure from other areas with bigger arenas being built. Uh, it was J.P. Bickle that made the phone calls, you know, in his capacity to make sure that they had the investment that they required to keep moving the project forward. The quote that Con Smythe said in one of his books, and I'm not sure if you read it, but it said, J.P., when, when times were tough, it was J.P. Bickle that went to work. And he, he, phoned, he phoned the people with folding money, which is an interesting comment. So he knew who to phone, he knew what to ask for, and uh, he needed, knew who to tap on the shoulder to, to help them out. I mean, Maple Leaf Gardens was one of the NHL's most hallowed venues for its time. Who who selected the architects? You know, was it J.P. Bickle who selected the architects who constructed Maple Leaf Gardens, or was that Con Smythe? Um, I think there's influence from everywhere, but the, some of the architects also worked on J.P. Bickle's uh, home or his estate. Ooh. Some of the same same architects. So. You know, I, I can't say specifically, but you'd have to think for a project of that size, it's really not one man doing it. It's a group of people that are putting their heads together to, to be that successful. Now, in your, in, your, in, in your book notes, you talked about you know, uh, J.P. Bickle was heavily involved with Toronto, uh, Toronto City Charities. What charities did he help? I mean, wh what were those, you know, those causes that he was dedicated to and uh, what charities did he contribute to? Philanthropy was, was obviously a, a huge part of his existence. Uh, it, it's arguable that he did as much in, in death as he did in life, um, which is an interesting conversation. But um, it was all about health and health research at the time and, and during the day. Um, you know, it's too expensive to say everything he was involved in, but he was the, the chairman of the Wellesley Hospital, which is a teaching and training hospital. Um, he was actually uh, on the honorary president of the Health League of Canada, uh, St. John's Ambulance, he was the head of um, many, Imperial Life Association and National Trust, he was on the board. 
But his philanthropy, uh, he had bought some church, bought out some church mortgages. Um, his biggest accomplishment, in my, my opinion, is his dedication to Sick Kids Hospital and, and, and just to healthcare in general. And that's the way he stylized the J.C. Dickel Foundation after his passing. To this day, uh, at his wishes, the charity pays out half its interest every year. And uh, today's dollars, um, he's paid out 84, roughly about 84 million to date to Toronto Sick Kids Hospital for research only. Uh, are any of his children or grandchildren or great grandchildren alive today? I mean, did he, you know, did he and his wife have have children? I mean, are, are is there still a Bickle family today? Well, there is, but interestingly enough, JP did never did marry, and he didn't have any children. Mm. Uh, none that we're aware of, anyway, because uh, he was quite the Renaissance man back in the day. But uh, he, I'm the closest relative he's going to have because I'm his first cousin, ah. and he never he never had any children, and his sister never had any children as well, who outlived him till 1977. Um, so the, none of the wealth was ever passed down; it was just set up in the JP Bickle Foundation. Which is managed by Scotiabank. What what source materials were able to, were you Kevin and Jason able to uncover while doing the research for this book? Was it difficult finding good source material to, to, to uncover his life story? Well, if you know where to look and how to look for it, it's all there, and and it's it's incredible how much information is online these days, and especially from libraries, newspapers of the day. So uh, for me, it was really around eight to ten years worth of research just looking up old newspapers, googling his name with other famous people's name uh, such as Amelia Earhart, uh, many many famous people wow. and article, articles pop up and, and then you research and you categorize those and I actually kept them all in folders as I was doing this in the different parts or different sectors of his life uh, because it was so expansive like the depth and breadth of his accomplishments over the period of his 66 years was incredible. Wow. Uh, getting back to it, now you said he died in 1951. What was, how old was he when he passed away? 66 years old. Not that, not really that old. Here's a hypothetical question. Considering by the end of the 50s, you know, uh, Conn Smythe had yielded to his son Stafford, and then sadly, you, uh, you know, Stafford gave way to Harold Ballard, and basically the, what was, you know, the proud legacy of the lease became tarnished. If Bickle had lived longer, do you think his presence might have been able to forestall that, you know, that hostile, you know, that takeover by Ballard and, you know, and the group of seven that eventually led to the decline and fall of the Leafs? Do you think, does the book explore that possibility if he had lived longer? The book doesn't explore that possibility, but it's definitely uh, plausible because if you look at everything J.P. Bickle was involved in, he was always involved in the finances mm. because he had money and he watched his money. And he didn't let anybody, any unsavory characters get near that. And especially, he always involved a lot of partners and other successful people. So they knew what they were doing. Um, so he wouldn't have let that sort of an end run uh, be, happen on his watch per se. Um, and when I talked about Con Smythe, during the war, um, Con Smythe, uh, Frank J. Selke sort of took over while Con Smythe was in the war. Yeah. And there was a group of the board of directors that really liked Frank J. Selke because he's a very nice man, a very likable person. And um, they wanted to make him, uh, keep him in the position after the war. And uh, J.P. Bickle didn't let that happen. Uh, Con Smythe was this guy, that's who he had made his commitment with, and he stuck with Con Smythe. So uh, right up until November 19th, 1947, 
J.P. Bickle actually made arrangements for uh, Consolidate to acquire enough shares to become the president, and J.P. Bickle stepped back as the chairman and just remained as a director. Uh, what? How involved? What, who brought Frank, uh, the Frank Selke Senior, into the Leafs? Was it Con Smythe or was it J.P. Bickle? That's a really good question. I would have to think it was Con Smythe because he was such a well-known hockey man, and Frank J. Selke was as well. So they obviously had to cross paths at some point. And Kevin Shea would be a better person to ask a Toronto history question too, but but that would have been a Con Smythe move for sure. Graham, please tell our listeners, where can readers find this book? In a number of locations. Um, it was published by Dundurn Press uh, out of Toronto. Um, so uh, you can find it on Dundurn's website. You can actually uh, find it on, on eBay of, of all places. It was also in uh, Indigo and Chapters stores as well. It can be ordered into that. And any major store will have a have the ISBN there that you could actually order it in if you, if you wanted to. Graham, have you ever published any other books? This is the first one. It won't be my last one, but it was definitely the first one. And a very, very eye-opening experience. Um, it's not for the weak of heart by any means, but I give a lot of credit to people like uh, Kevin Shea and Jason Wilson who have done it many, many times. Well, you just anticipated my next question, Graham. What is your, what, uh, if you're going to do another book, what is your next book project and what's the subject and when can we expect its release? Well, we don't have a release date yet, but when you think of J.P. Bickle's life, and I'm really not finished with his narrative because in the book itself, the, of the chapters, you could do a book on every chapter of this gentleman's life because it encompasses so many different areas. Um, but the biggest thing for me is the philanthropy, and it's the impact of the philanthropy. Like leaving $13 million in a foundation that's generated over $300 million, and over half of that has gone to charity, you have to wonder what impact that's had on society and on the people's lives that uh, that have uh, you know come into contact with either sick kids, uh, other health bursaries that have gone out from the foundation, uh, and mining bursaries as well. So there's been a lot of positive impacts of the companies that he created, the history of those companies that are still in, in business today, the families that have had jobs, uh, and the healthcare. Uh, his huge impact on the healthcare system. So. It's probably more on the impact of the uh, of his benevolence. Considering his enormous impact in Toronto life, you know, and as a businessman, did he ever get involved in politics? Did he ever run for Canadian Parliament? He never ran for Canadian Parliament, but to say that he, he, he you could say he was involved in politics because he was uh, always uh, somewhat friends or associated with the certain political parties of the day. Um, Definitely. Um, so there, there's many, many um, politicians that uh, were aided by J.P. Beckel. So is it accurate to say he preferred to be you know, a kingmaker than the king himself? That's exactly a great line. Totally, totally a kingmaker of the day, for sure. Question. Um, I know when I'm reading uh, Con Smythe's memoirs, not only was he a, a, one of the great general managers in NHL history, he was also one of the great developers of thoroughbred horses was J.P. Bickle into thoroughbred horses by any chance? Um, only from a betting perspective. I, I, I don't think he ever raised any horses that I came across, uh, but he uh, he obviously was a betting man and a gambling man. One of his favorite lines was always double or nothing. So uh, <laughs> he, he was definitely betting. Wow. 
Uh, Graham, whenever I interview an author, I always like to ask this question. It's a standard question, which and I'm always fascinated by the answers I get. When you were growing up, who were your favorite authors? And did any of those favorite authors inspire you to become a writer or perhaps influence your writing style? I wouldn't say so. Um, I had a very diverse sort of palette uh, relative to what my interests were. But with hockey being a, a great interest of, of mine, um, uh, anybody who wrote on sports uh, was a great influencer of mine because of my interest in the game. I had played, obviously, hockey and a lot of different sports. But I have to be honest and say um, the books that Kevin Shea had written in the recent past really caught my eye, and uh, they were all these interesting subjects, very well written. Um, and the fact that Kevin Wilson, uh, or Jason Wilson, pardon me, wrote with Kevin Shea, the Lord Stanley's book, which I read, uh, just blew me away. So after I read that, I knew the, these were sort of the, the people I want involved with my, my book. Graham, you live in Calgary. Are you a Flames fan, or are you, or are you a member of Leafs Nation? Uh, both. <laughs> a Flames fan for survival and, and uh, an interest with geography, but obviously with our family connection to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I, I, it's in my DNA to be a, a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And, and really, uh, when you ask um, what was my interest in, in having the book written, it was really that I knew from that article that I had read from the Toronto Star that dated December 29, 1951, uh, I knew there was a, a JP, they had created a JP Bickle Memorial Award, and uh, yeah. an internal award of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I couldn't understand why it wasn't being given out. And there's a long history of the award itself, but I really just wanted the Toronto Maple Leafs to, to give the award out. I never set out to read a book. It's just when I, in all of my research that I had done, I kept coming across these articles in, in different areas, in, in the movie business, in the aviation industry, uh, the philanthropy, um, mining, baseball, golf. Like, it just goes on and on. And I kept saying to myself, this can't be the same guy. It just can't. And it was the same guy every time. So I just started, as I said, filing this information in different file folders and and finally, you know, the interest wasn't as much as get the trophy out with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was, this gentleman needs a book written about his life because he wasn't a person who wanted his name in the lights. Um, there really isn't anything but what kids camp with his name on it. But he needed to, to get the recognition that he deserved, that he never sought in life. So really, that's what I set out to do, was to get him the recognition his, he deserved for himself and his family, and through that process with the philanthropy, is to inspire others to look into your own family history, uh, look at the famous people that you had, look at their accomplishments, look at your own accomplishments, mm. and if that inspires one other person to do something philanthropic, then I've accomplished my job. When researching this book, did you get in contact with the descendants of the late Con Smythe? I mean, they, they, there are still living uh, descendants, right, of, of, you know, of his uh, son Stafford. Uh, did you reach out to them? while doing research for the book? I, I didn't, and, and I didn't have to, because Kevin Shea's written books on Con Smythe, yeah. and it has great connections with the family. So I left that to Kevin uh, as part of his role and contribution. Okay. Grant, tell us about yourself. Now, you said and in your description on Amazon, it says you work as a businessman engaged in international trade. What do, what do you do? Please tell our listeners. What do you do for a living? I'm an insurance broker, but uh, it's a specialty. So I do trade credit insurance. So I help businesses that are doing business, whether it's domestic or international, 
I help them get paid. So I offer trade credit insurance policies. When someone's doing business internationally, they don't always know who the buyer is that's inquiring about their goods and service. So that's where I step in. I represent 12 insurance companies that that say whether that's a good credit risk or not. And if it's a good credit risk, whether it's their uh, named buyer policy or a whole buyer policy, we'll determine whether we're going to offer them a policy. And then if we do, we just make sure that they get paid in the event of a default. Graham, when you come out with your next book, let me know because I want you on my show again so we can promote it, okay? It, it was great having you on my show. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you very much. You take care and please be safe, okay? I will. Thank you, Matthew, and, and go Leafs go. Go Leafs go. Amen. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye now. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show where I will be interviewing author Patrick Piccolo. Thank you and good night.